Hey guys, hope you're doing well today. Um, today I'm going to go ahead and finish, or not finish, but continue our study on Palm Sunday. Uh, last time we were together, we did part number one, and we picked up in Daniel chapter number nine. Daniel chapter number nine, and um, we looked at verse number one in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. We know that this would, would have, historically would have been the year 538 uh, BC. And then verse number two, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So, Daniel, being a student of the scripture, he was reading from Jeremiah, and he came across Jeremiah chapter number 25, verses 11 through 12, and Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 11, and he understood by the scriptures that they would only be in captivity for 70 years. And of course, we talked about why they were in captivity uh, they were commanded that when they went into the promised land that they were to sow the, the land six years and in the seventh year they were to allow the land to rest. And of course God had practical reasons for that. Just, you know, having uh, lived in a farming community, um, you need to give the land a chance to rest, to restore the nutrients to the land so that you can have a better harvest. So there was a natural reason for it. And there was a spiritual reason for it. God wanted them to trust him. Well, it turns out they were in the land for 490 years. And for 490 years, they never allowed the land to rest. And as a result, God said, I'm going to I'm going to get my rest back, which 490 divided by um, 7 is 70 years. So for 70 years, God punished the children of Israel allowed them to be delivered into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar so that he could allow the land to rest. So, and of course, we saw that in Leviticus chapter 25, 1 through 7, uh, verses 20 through 22, and chapter 26, 27 through 35. They did not allow the land to rest. <clears throat> they failed to trust God, and as a result, God brought judgment against them. Um, and then in verse number three, and I set my face into the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So here's the scene. Daniel knows that the 70 years are almost completed. At this time, they had already been in the land for about 67 years. And he knew that the 70 years were almost completed. And he turns and he begins to seek God. Notice he seeks God by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. He's seeking God on behalf of the nation of Israel. Now, I am sure that Daniel was thinking about how that God had already told him in the previous chapters of the book, his plans for the Gentile nations. So now Daniel wants to know, well, what about us? What about Israel? What's your plans for us? Now this time, Daniel, just some background here, was probably in his 90s. Um, 
because he was carried away into captivity, you figure he was around 17, he was a teenager type. They had been there almost 70 years, so 70, 80, 82. So Daniel's probably, you know, well, that puts him in about his late 70s, mid-90s, mid-80s by this time. Um, so never can be too old to serve God. <laughs> and then chapter number four, in our four, verse number four, we have Daniel's prayer. And it's a lengthy prayer, and I'd encourage you to read that. But uh, just the gist of the prayer is he's praying to the Lord as God. He's making confession on behalf of the nation of Israel. He appeals to God's mercy uh, to them that love him, to them that keep his commandments. And he admits that we've sinned, we've committed iniquity, we've rebelled, we've departed from your, from your precepts and from your judgments. We haven't listened uh, to the prophets that you sent, which came and spoke to our kings and our princesses and our fathers. And, um, and he says, O Lord, to us belong confusion of face, to our kings, our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. So he's interceding on the behalf of Israel. He's taking accountability for the sins of the nation of Israel. And then he gets down to verse number 20. And it says, And whilst I was speaking and praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. So Daniel's prayer is interrupted by an angel. And the angel introduces himself as Gabriel. Uh, the Bible speaks of three angels by name. We have Gabriel, we have Michael, and we have Lucifer. Gabriel uh, seems to be more of a proclamation or a, uh, a messenger, if you will. He's the one that came to Mary and to Joseph. Uh, many believe, believe he's going to blow the trumpet for the rapture, but... We don't get that from scripture, but we, some people draw it because uh, he's sending the message for the church to come home, but we don't have scripture and verse for that. And then we have Michael. Uh, Michael is a warring angel. Every time we see Michael, I mean, he's contending with the devil over the body of, of Moses. Um, he's going to be released. He's going to take the devil and, and throw him into the abuso. I mean... Every time you see Michael, he's he's in a in a warlike situation. So Gabriel being proclamation, Michael being um, a war angel, uh, and then Lucifer. Lucifer is the other one that is mentioned in Scripture, and of course, Lucifer is the devil, Satan. Um, and Lucifer's job in heaven was um, he was basically the director of the worship team. Um, he oversaw the music and. And uh, we know the third of the angels rebelled with him and were cast down, according to the Old Testament scripture. So um, Daniel's prayer is answered. And then we get down into verse 22, and it says, And he informed me, now this is Gabriel, and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. In other words, I'm going to reveal what it is you're asking for. 
And he says, at the very beginning of your supplications, as soon as you begin to pray, the commandment went out, and I am come now to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved before. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So as soon as he started to pray, uh, the angels were dispatched with an answer uh, to his prayer. Um, and then we see in verse number 24, this is where it really gets interesting. Seventy weeks. Now this is where you need to put on your thinking caps, okay? Seventy weeks are determined for upon thy people. Now, seventy weeks is, a week is seven. So, seventy weeks is seventy times seven, four hundred and ninety, okay? In other words, he's saying four hundred and ninety uh, years are determined for your people and your holy city. And during that time, these things are going to be accomplished. We're going to finish the transgression. We're going to make an end of sin. We're going to make reconciliation for iniquity. We're going to bring in everlasting righteousness. We're going to seal up the vision and prophecy. And we are going to anoint the most holy. So during these 70 weeks of seven or 490 years, these things are going to happen. Um, the Jews think in what's called heptaths, H-E-P-T-A-T-H-S, heptaths, while we in our European culture think in decades of tens, Jews think in heptaths of seven. So he's saying here that in 490 years, these things are going to happen. I'm going to finish the transgression. Transgression, as you know from Scripture, is willful sin. It's where we get the word trespass. In other words, you knew better and you did it anyway. I'm going to make an end of sin. Now, sin is not transgression. It's not as grievous as transgression. It's missing the mark. It's uh, trying but failing. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make reconciliation for iniquity. Iniquity is a compound word for both transgression and sin. I'm going to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, I'm sure if you're tracking me here, 490 years, I'm going to do these six things. Um, I, we don't see any everlasting righteousness. Certainly, vision and prophecy has not been fulfilled. And certainly... Um, the most holy or the most holy place, some would say, uh, has not been anointed. Now, most will agree that the first three, transgression, end of sin, reconciliation for iniquity, was accomplished by Christ on the cross when he reconciled man unto God by his sacrificial death. However, the last three has not happened yet. Uh, the Messiah was killed. He was crucified. He was not able to bring in everlasting righteousness. He was not able to seal up vision and prophecy. He, and certainly he was not anointed at all as uh, the most holy. Um, and some, if, that, if that refers to the most holy place, then certainly it would have been where he would have went to rule and reign. And of course, it wasn't. Either it was him or it was place, but neither one of them were anointed. So the first three were fulfilled in Christ on the cross. The last three are yet to be fulfilled. Okay, But the bottom line is, it's been a whole lot longer than 490 years. 
what happened, what made the clock stop. Um, spoiler alert, the crucifixion. The crucifixion is what made the clock stop. Notice um, in verse 25, this is where it really gets interesting. Uh, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, threescore and two weeks, and the street shall be built again in the wall, even in, even in troublous times. So let's unpack that verse, okay? Notice that from now he's saying you got 490 years, and during these 490 years, these six things are going to happen. And the clock is going to start ticking when the commandment is given to build Jerusalem, to rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, history, both secular and biblical, tells us that the Jews were released to go and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Um, in Nehemiah, let's look at that very quickly, Nehemiah uh, chapter number 2 and verses 1 through 6. And it came to pass in, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, Wine was put before him, and I took up the wine, and I gave it to the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in his presence. So, uh, Nehemiah was bummed in front of the king, uh, which was punishable by, by death. Um, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing more than sorrow of a heart, and I was sore afraid. And he was afraid because you could actually receive capital punishment for bumming out the king. And I said unto the king, let the king live forever. Now that's a good way to start out talking to someone who has the power of your life in their hands. Why should not my countenance be sad? Your countenance is just the expression on your face. When the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, referring to Jerusalem, lieth in waste, and of course the Babylonians had destroyed the city under King Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians, of, wh of whom Artaxerxes represents here, okay? Um, and the king said unto me, um, well, it says, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, now obviously, uh, that was a pretty short prayer. <laughs> I mean, that was one of those, oh God, please help me prayers. And I said unto the king, if it pleased the king, and if thy servant had found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting beside of him, how long is your journey? When will you come back? So it pleased the king to send me and set a time. So we know from both secular history and biblical history, and we know from secular history because Sir Rowlandson in the palace of Shushan found out that this order, and due to our archaeological discoveries, found out that this order was given in 445 B.C. 
As a matter of fact, it was given on March 14th, 445 B.C. When Nehemiah chapter number 2, verses 1 through 6, took place, and we found that by the hands of Sir Rowlandson in archaeological research at the palace of Shushan. So this is the prophecy. This clock is going to start ticking of 490 years at the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That command was given to Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter number 2, March 14th, 445 B.C. And he says that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem until Messiah comes, it will be uh, seven, uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks. Seven plus 62 is 69. 69 times seven is how many years? 483 years. The prophecy that we're looking at here is that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem until the Messiah comes will be 483 years. It'll be 483 years. I believe you and I are looking at one of the most, one of the greatest prophecies in all of the Bible. This prophecy literally sets the date when the Messiah would reveal himself. Now, this does not set the date for the birth of Christ, this sets the date for when the Messiah would reveal himself. And when did the Messiah reveal himself? Palm Sunday, or what we call the triumphal entry. Okay? Um, now, that 483 years, there's something kind of interesting there because... Um, you and I work on what's called a Julian calendar. Uh, the Jews, and all prophecy related to the Jews, works on what's called a, um, a Babylonian calendar. A Babylonian calendar is 360 days. A Julian calendar that you and I work on is 365 days and a quarter. That's why we have a leap year. Uh, every one, every what is it? Every four years or something like that, we stick a 29th day in February. So all prophecy in the Bible is based on the Babylonian calendar that the Jews adopted when they were carried away into Babylon. Okay. Um, so if we were to take 483 years, we got to think about those 483 years on Babylonian years, not. Julian years. So if we were to take 483 and multiply it times 360, this prophecy is actually saying that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem until Messiah will be 483 years or 173,880 days. And if you add 173,880 days to March 14th, 445 BC, when the going forth of the commandment was given to restore the walls of Jerusalem, you will arrive at April the 6th, 32 AD. What was going on on April 6th, 32 
A.D. Our Lord was sitting outside the eastern gate on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And he said, go down, loose colt that's never been ridden. They bring the colt back to our Lord. He begins his descent down the east, down into the eastern gate of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And what's interesting is you see this account in Luke uh, 19. In Luke 19 and verse uh, 41, um, you see this. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee on every side. Our Lord here is foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem that would take place in 70 AD at the hands of Titus Vespasian and his Roman army. Why? Because they did not realize that this was their day, the very day that was prophesied by Daniel in Daniel chapter number 9. And as a result, we know that as Jesus came through that eastern gate, he went, he came through the gate, and of course you have all the palm branches and Hosanna, save us. You know, they're looking for a king. They're looking for a, a political ruler, someone who would overthrow the, the rule of the Romans. And uh, he goes straight to the temple. Why did our Lord go straight to the temple? He was going to restore the glory to Israel. That was what he wanted to do but he had been rejected. And as a result, once he got into the temple, as it is written, my house, my house is the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So instead of setting him up, setting himself up as the king and bringing in the new kingdom as he desired to do so, he began pitching tables and throwing people out. And we'll talk a little bit more about the significance of that next time. God bless you guys. Remember that God loves you. He wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.